Welcome to Ikoyi Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast services. Listen and be blessed. Today we are going to be talking about the fullness of Christ. And uh, our passage is taken from Ephesians 4, 1 to 13. So can we all please open up our Bibles? Audiovisual, please project. Thank you. And we will all read together. Ephesians 4, 1 to 13. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, our final verse, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Hallelujah. Can we please go back to the slides? Thank you. So I will just go into a few terminologies like fullness. So we are talking about the fullness of Christ. What is fullness? Um, fullness is defined as the state of being filled to capacity. Is to be complete. It means being whole. So having that said, the fullness of Godhead, as I read somewhere, is the totality of the divine powers and attributes, all the wealth of the being and of the nature of God eternal, infinite, unchangeable in existence, in knowledge, in wisdom, in power, in holiness, in goodness, in truth, in love. And this fullness that we have talked about in God is has found its permanence and its abode in Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.19 says, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. So God chose for his fullness to dwell in Christ. So when we talk about the fullness of God, we're also talking about the fullness of Christ. In simpler terms, I believe that the fullness of Christ would mean that every single part of us, our physical body, 
will be given as a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable unto him. Our soul will be totally dedicated. Our soul, our heart, that's the place of worship. It will be totally, completely dedicated to him in his entirety. And our spirit man will continually experience the completeness of God. And that this experience of our body, spirit, and soul, experiencing God will not just be in one or some areas of our lives, but in every single area of our lives. And if I'm going to be honest, uh, I can't say that I have seen any man, woman, child or adult on earth that is truly living in that fullness, completeness of God. I can't speak for every other person, but I have not gotten there. But it is the prayer and the will of God and the desire of God that we will all get there one day in Jesus' name. Um, so as I was reading, I also noticed that the one place that we will all be in the fullness of God is in heaven. Next slide, please. Can we please open to Hebrews 12, 22 to 23? It says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven, you have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Made perfect, made whole, made complete in God. Also, in Revelation 7 from about verse 9 to 17, we see that there was a great multitude in their white robes who are before the throne of God, lifting their voices and shouting praises to God day and night. They don't experience any worldly pleasures or hardships. They are all about God, all about Christ, all about the fullness of God. May we all make heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. However, even though it is our prayer to make heaven and be in his fullness, there's still a lot to do while we are here on earth. And God is preparing all Christians who truly believe in Jesus to form one great tabernacle for his dwelling. God who created the universe is truly not concerned with the beautiful buildings, beautiful edifices, beautiful sanctuaries that we build day and night spending time, spending money on. They are necessary. They are important. They are wonderful to praise and worship God and gather together. But it is not what God is looking at. For heaven is his throne and the whole earth is his footstool. Imagine, just imagine what a sanctuary like this would look like under the feet of God. So in Isaiah 66, verse 1b and 2, it says, Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. 
These are the ones I will look on with favor. These who are, who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. That is where God wants to dwell. In our hearts, those who are humble and have a contrite spirit, he wants to build his tabernacle with us Christians, children of God who have been called, who have chosen to believe, who have chosen to let him enter in. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, please. Can we open to Ephesians 2, 19? Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. This building that is joined together is us, the people of God. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. By this, we can so easily see that God desires it. He desires that his fullness be in us. He desires that we experience him and partake in the fullness of his nature. And there is no doubt that in order to secure this fullness for us, God went to great lengths. He went to great lengths. Just imagine God in all his sovereignty, in all his power. He sat in heaven and he thought to himself, I want my children to experience me. I want them to have a feel of me. So what can I do? I'll send my son. I'll send my son to die. Because I want them to have an opportunity to experience me in a way that passes all understanding. I want them to be able to experience me. So I'll send my son to die. And I ask myself, but why did he have to go that far? And the answer that comes to me is, it is definitely not so that we can have a lackluster Christianity, haphazard Christianity, dull, uninspired, unfulfilled Christianity, where we are Christians only when it's convenient for us, when we do right, only when it's convenient for us where we have a stifled spirituality that is suffocated, that doesn't have room to grow, that doesn't have room to breathe, to breathe in Christ, where we are not learning at his feet constantly because we are distracted by other things in life. This is, I'm talking to myself as well. We do things only when it's convenient for us. Not because God desires us to do it, but just because I have the time to do it. 
can we all just bow our heads and say a word to God and ask him to give you his fullness and ensure him, tell him that you will not live a lackluster Christianity life. That you will not let the spirit of God in you be dulled out. That you will let his spirit grow, manifest in you and do his works in you. In Jesus' name we pray. So we see that the God, God is looking for people who are humble before him. People who will take his word seriously to the point of obedience. And God is a God of love. And we were all made in his image. God gives us love. He gives it to us freely. So, if you are made in his image, you are meant to give love freely. It's a give and take relationship. However, God does not wait for you to show him your love before he showers you with blessings day after day. He shows you his love freely. Yet, we call ourselves Christians. Unfortunately, we don't show love to one another the way we should. I want to try out something really quick, if you don't mind, please. Can we all please bring out our phones? Please, just bring out your phone. Uh, please, if pastors don't mind. Thank you. Thank you. Please bring out your phones. Thank you. Now, please take your phone and give it to the person next to you. But that's just one person. One person should hand over their phone to the next person while the other person holds on to his or her own phone. So now one person is holding two phones and the other person is holding no phone. Be sure that they won't run away with your phones, please. Thank you. Just thank you. So now we have some people without phones and we have some people with two phones. Can we say this can be likened to a give and take love relationship or a take and no give love relationship where we go around receiving love from people, receiving phones from people. So we're going around with 10 phones going around with love in our hearts and saying that we, we are God's children and we love God and God loves us. And other people love us, but then we don't love other people and we don't show them love. So some people are just left empty. Some people are left without love, without encouragement, without strength to go on. We can return the phones now. Thank you. May God give us the grace to love one another. To truly love one another. Overlooking our shortcomings. Overlooking one another's faults. Just loving each other the way God loves us.
And the only way that you can truly show love to others and even to God is through knowing him. It's through knowing God, heart to heart. That is how we come to experience his love. And the way this happens is that Jesus reveals himself. He reveals himself through the Father, through his body, this church. That is if we allow him to do so. In Ephesians 3, 14 to 19, Paul describes a process of how Christ enters in. So thank you for uh, opening your radio. Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. Let's all read together, please. The first thing I see... Sorry. Yes. Okay. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So if we break this down, we see that we will receive power through the Holy Spirit. The last one, the last, the last slide, please. No, no, the one before, yeah, the one before this. The slide before this, please. Thank you. We will receive power through the Holy Spirit to have the ability to receive Christ in our hearts. And this is God's grace. This power from the Holy Spirit is God's grace whereby he does the work in us. He convicts us. He enters us. And then the second thing that happens is that the entrance of Christ into our hearts will occur by faith. Now, we receive from God by grace through faith. So grace is God's part and faith is our part. And the Holy Spirit in us is proof of God's love for us. While our faith is proof of our love for God. But we also know that faith without works is dead. So faith without obedience is not faith. So if you have faith and you say, I believe, I believe, I believe, but you don't obey the word, it might as well be dead. The last step in the process is that as we make a home for Christ in our hearts, through faith and obedience, he begins to give us revelations of the greatness of his love. As we read, the width, the length, the depth, and the height of his love. 
we begin to experience it. We begin to understand it. We don't just sit in one place waiting for it. But we just start to understand the love of God. So we are to know the love of Christ which passes all understanding. I pray that God will give us the grace to receive him. That he will give us the power for his Holy Spirit to walk in us. For his fire to burn in us. And that we will have faith that as he's walking in, in us, he is truly walking in us. Because you have to believe that he's walking in you. If he's walking in you, and you have faith as small as a mustard seed. If you have faith, if you just believe that, God, I know you are, you are doing something. You might not be seeing it at that point in time. You might not be seeing it at that very moment, but just believe that he's doing it. He will start to reveal himself to you. You will start to see him. Next slide, please. I just put down a few points of what I just feel you can do. Of course, there are a lot of things you can do to remain in the fullness of God, to experience the fullness of Christ. But from my own little experience, I would say focus on your salvation. Your own salvation, you and God. Not the next person and you or the next person and God. Walk on your own salvation with fear and trembling. Because you can't testify about another man's salvation and relationship with God. But in love, you can actually bring others close to God without judgment and without feeling self-righteous. His word. This is for me. I find it hard day after day to really study his word the way I am supposed to. The way we are all supposed to. Psalm 119.130 says, the entrance of your word gives light. With his word, you will know what to do. You will know where to go. You will know when, how, why. His word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Your worship. Here I mean your life of worship. Your life that will be an open Bible to the world. Do you practice what you preach? Like I talked about love. Do you love others? Even those that are not Christians, those that are not children of God, we're all children of God, but those that don't believe in Jesus, what would they have to say about your life outside of church? How would God feel about the way you live outside of church? Your sacrifice of fasting, waiting on the Lord, your sacrifice of material possessions, so to say. We 
we all need these things. We all need clothes. We all need shoes. We all need bags and briefcases. But then if you have so many and the person next to you has none, how far, how far will it take you? How far does, does that take you when those around you are suffering in want and you have in excess? your company, the people you are around. We all love our friends. But then are they sharpening you the way that they should be sharpening you? Are they impacting in you what God wants for you? And are you doing the same? Surround yourself with people that will sharpen you as you sharpen them. Your fears when I read Matthew 26 I was a bit surprised that Jesus was sorrowful and troubled in Gethsemane because he went back to God he went to God to pray and then he went back two more times and when he went back those two more times he said your will God not my will but then the way I imagined it in my head is when I am I want to buy something and I go to my husband and he says no, you can't buy it and then I go back the second time and I say, okay you said I shouldn't buy it so I won't buy it but in my mind I'm actually hoping that maybe, just maybe he will say okay, go ahead and then I go and then the third time I come back again and husband, your will I won't, I won't get it I really won't get it. What I see from that Bible passage is that Jesus overcame a fear. He said, yes, Lord. He came in human form. So I choose to believe that he had the worry that I would have had if I was the one that was going to die the way he died a barbaric death. But he chose to say, yes, Lord, your will. I will overcome this and I will do your will. Slide, please. Your praises. I found God through music. And there's just something that comes with praising God from a sincere place. Not praising God for noise, but praising God out of sincerity you experience him I can't really explain how I feel when I go into his presence and I'm praising but I'm sure you all know how you feel when you are praising him in sincerity and then acknowledge the source of your strength acknowledge your shortcomings as well before God and before man and know that it is not by your strength but know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you amen I'm going to end with a little write up that I saw it's about the bottle and the ocean being filled with the fullness of God 
is like a bottle in the ocean. You take the cover of the bottle and sink it in the ocean. And you have the bottle completely full of ocean. The bottle is in the ocean and the ocean is in the bottle. However, the ocean contains the bottle, but the bottle contains only a portion of the ocean. So it is with us as Christians. God is mighty. God is too much to describe. But he wants to fill you up. He wants to fill us up to capacity. He wants to fill you up to overflow with his own fullness even though we know that we cannot contain God. But he wants to be contained in you. He wants his fullness to dwell in you. Are you willing to let God fill you up? Are you willing to experience the fullness of Christ the way that he desires for you? If you are, please rise up to your feet. We hope you were blessed. Ikoi Baptist Church is a Bible-believing church located at 5-7 to Latif Jackandir Road in Ikoi of Lagos State, Nigeria. You can find us on Facebook at Ikoi Baptist Church or reach the church directly via phone at 0163-20485 and 0163-20486. For more information, please visit the church website at www.ikoibaptistchurch.org.com.